The sermon tonight, Jeremiah chapter 18, God is the potter, as we continue our series out of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 18, verse 1, the Lord said to Jeremiah, go to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and he was making something at the wheel. The vessel he made of clay was marred in his hand, so he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter. So he's pottering away there, and it's not coming out right, and it's still soft clay, and so he just mushes it up and starts over. Starts the wheel going again, and starts the process again. The word of the Lord said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Now this is interesting for a few different reasons. By the time Jeremiah comes along, Israel, as far as northern Israel, what was called Israel, the ten tribes of Israel, were taken by the Assyrians and dispersed around. And yet, and so he's speaking primarily to Judah, as we'll see uh, mentioned in a few more verses, but he's calling them Israel. Again, that's very interesting. So, so Israel, the term, the name Israel, applied more than just to those ten tribes in the north, which was technically labeled Israel in the south, Judah. So God's calling here Judah, he's calling them Israel as well. And so any topic uh, about Israel and who is Israel and prophetically and biblically, you have to take all these texts and all this into consideration. The term is hard to just kind of nail down with an easy definition because it's used in so many various different ways. And that'd be a whole topic into itself, but uh, this is an interesting text regarding that. So he says, look, Israel, aren't you like that, that uh, clay, right? You have some defects, you're marred here, and, and you've gotten off track, and, and maybe started off well, I was informing you well, and, and, and some, some, uh, some problems have taken place, but no problem. Just as that potter crushed that clay and started all over, I can start all over with you, and I can make all things good in your life. I can make you beautiful, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull down, and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. So here we see the mercy and the love of God. I mean, all throughout this, the mercy and the love of God. I can transform you, I can change you, no matter how misformed you are, no problem, I can still work in your life, and I can do that just as easily as the potter molding the clay. And if I've pronounced judgment against the nation, as Jeremiah had through, God had through Jeremiah and other prophets that he was going to do to, what he did to Israel, he was going to do to Judah, he was going to do to Jerusalem, but and other nations, I can pronounce a judgment against them. But if they turn from their evil way, I will relent and I won't do what I said I was going to do. And we see that with Nineveh, right? Jonah went to Nineveh. God said he's going to destroy Nineveh. And he didn't end up destroying Nineveh at that time because they repented. Later on, they went back to their evil ways and, and they were destroyed. The mercy and love of God. That he warns us beforehand. He didn't have to do that. He didn't say, well, you make your own choices, you live your own way, and 
Whatever you want, that's how it'll be. But he warns us ahead of time, and he warned them over and over and over again, and he warns us over and over again as well. And if we turn, and this is the key, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil. So while God is the potter and we are the clay, we are a little bit more than just a lump of clay. You know, there's a saying that uh, people who, atheists or whatever, people who don't like God, they try and throw at you, you know, can God create, if God is almighty and all, you know, being, can he make a rock that is so big that he can't move it? You know, that kind of thing, you know. Of course, the couple of answers to that is, well, he could, but he's not so stupid to do something like that. What would make you think that anyone would want to do that, right? <laughs> but in a sense, the answer is yes, he can and he has. And the rock that he has made that is so big that he himself can't move is you and me. He has given us something that is more powerful than him. He has created it that way, the power of choice. He will not force our choice. He will not push our choice. He will not force his choice upon us. He gives us the free will to choose to love him, choose to accept him, choose to rebel against him, choose to submit to him. That free choice is ours. Where the clay doesn't have much choice. It doesn't have any choice. But we have choice. And if we remain soft and pliable, he will mold us after his fashion. And if we make some mistakes and derail, but repent and turn to him, the mercy of God, the love of God is there. We can turn to him, we can confess our sins, and that comes from God, the sorrow for sin, the repentance of sin, that comes from God as well. So God sends to us an, a whispering in our ear, uh, a voice to our conscience, bringing conviction, and we have the free choice. We can resist that, we can say, no, I don't want to hear that, or we can yield and then repent and confess to him, our evil ways, our stubbornness, even our not wanting to. We can even start with, God, I really don't want to hear this. God, I really don't want to turn. God, I really don't want to change, and I confess that as sin. That's a good starting spot. And he will take that. He'll take our nature. He's already actually done it. He's taken us, and he's put us into himself, and he's already killed us in himself. God came here to receive us into himself and to take our punishment, not only our punishment of everlasting death, but to take us into himself. And he's done that. So it's already a done deal. And when we repent and confess and accept that fact, we receive the benefit of it. And that area of our life that we confessed and repented of he removes out of our life, and then we receive. He, he gives us then another gift. All of it's a gift from God. He then gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to come inside us and to renew that area of our life and change that area of our life. 
And we have many facets, just like a clay pot. We'll have a handle and a pouring spout and a bottom and a top. And we have different aspects of our life. And piece by piece, one by one, he fashions and molds, convicts, transforms, changes, and beautifies. If we allow him to. If we yield. So the big word there, if that nation against whom I've spoken, and of course it applies to individuals as well. If that nation against whom I've spoken turns from his evil well, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. So God places us in the seat of where we will spend eternity and what will happen to us here and now. Verse 19, the instant I speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight, so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. So it works both ways. So God gives a message of, of warning, that, of destruction, but if it turns from its evil ways and turns to God, he will relent and he will pour out his blessings upon it. But also likewise, if he pronounced blessings upon a nation, a kingdom, an individual, wonderful promises that he's given to us, and if we turn from following him, he'll take away those blessings that he promised. He'll take away the goodness of building up and establishing and remove it. Again, it's dependent on us, on what we want. And so when we continue in his way, when we choose to continue in his way, when we receive his power to walk in his way, we have his blessings and his guidance and his direction and his eternal life. Now, it doesn't mean everything always goes smoothly through that time. We're not in heaven yet. Don't forget that. If you ever got confused, if you thought this was heaven, we got news for you, it's not. It's much closer to hell. So we are still on the wrong side of the battlefront. We still are on Satan's turf. And he loves to harass God's people. And so there will be problems. There will be turmoil. There will be troubles. But God miraculously gives us the peace to abide through that. And joy and faith and hope and love and blessings along the way, in spite of and through the trials, and then eternal life in heaven where there will be no more suffering and no more pain. But even if there wasn't a heaven, it's worth it even the here and now, the blessings of having God on our side and walking in his ways, following him. And so if we're walking with him and maybe you gave your life to the Lord at some point in time and you've been walking with him, he continues to give us that free choice. Obviously from this text and many others. And just the whole principle of God. I mean, he kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. He kicked Lucifer out of heaven with one-third of the angels. And so if he'll kick Lucifer out of heaven, he's covering cherub. And one-third of his angels. It will kick Adam and Eve, who create, he created in his image. And for one sin, if he'll kick them out of the Garden of Eden, 
don't fool yourself that just because of a profession at one point in our lives that he'll overlook continued rebellious sin in the present and allow that into heaven. He's too good for that. He's too smart for that because it would just destroy heaven all over again. And so we have to take this text as well as other texts on both sides of the issue concerning the promises that God had for Israel and how that applies as well. And he has some wonderful promises that he promises to Israel, but we have to remember this text as well. And we see this played out in the life of Jeremiah, in the time of Jeremiah. He promised wonderful blessings to establish it and forever and have thrown a, a, a king on David's throne forever. But they turned, they refused, and Jerusalem was destroyed. Seventy years later, God brought it back, reestablished again, with a good time of many blessings and following the Lord, rebelled again and destroyed again. And this applies to our lives as well. Individually, we have free choice as long as we live here on this earth. After we die, we have no free choice. It's a done deal. Whatever we chose in the here and now, that is what will be established. Speak to the men of Judah, verse 11. Speak to the men of Judah. So now he's calling them Judah. And to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone, from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. So now he's warning them. Yes, I made these promises to David. Yes, I made these promises to Abraham. But if they turn from the good that I pronounced upon them, then disaster will come. But right now you're devising evil plans and you're doing wickedly. And I am pronouncing disaster. But even now, if you turn from your evil way and make your ways and your doings good, I will relent of the disaster I pronounced upon you. Oh, the mercy of God. Message after message after message God brought to them. And the only reason we're still stuck here on this planet, well, not the only reason. Well, I guess the only reason is because of the mercy of God. The mercy and love of God. Very long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, giving this, this world more time for us to take the message to them so that more can be in heaven, more can be saved. That's why we're still here. He's waiting for us to take the gospel to the world in his mercy and long-suffering for every single person on this planet. Waiting for us to make our choices for him or against him. Verse 12, and they said, that is hopeless. So we will walk according to our own plans and we will everyone obey the dictates of his evil heart. Sounds horrible, right? It is horrible. But it's still said today among professed Bible believers. It's preached out of many pulpits. I read it in a brochure just this week. God gave the commandments. It's impossible for us to keep the commandments. So God gave us the sacrificial system and the Messiah. Isn't that lovely? Isn't God wonderful? 
So let's say God placed a burden on us that was too heavy for us to carry. Then he comes along and he carries it for us. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't he great? Isn't he grand? Well, he, he put the burden on me, so why is it so grand that he then comes and takes it off me? <laughs> How is that so wonderful? If I go and scratch your car, and then come and say, I'll tell you what, I'm going to pay for the paint job. I'm going to pay for a new paint job for you. Aren't I wonderful? <laughs> See how generous I am? <laughs> well, it didn't need it if you didn't scratch it to begin with. So God creates a law that we can't keep. It's hopeless. He says, just walk in my ways and follow my ways. Oh, that's hopeless. It's impossible to walk in your ways. It's impossible to follow you. God kept trying that and trying that and trying that. And after 4,000 years, he says, you know, this just isn't working. He's a little slow at catching on, you know. He says, let's try something else. Just scrap the whole thing. I'll just let everybody in anyway. Just make a profession of faith. Is that depict God? Is that a picture of God? But yet that's what's taught, basically. Maybe not that bluntly. God wouldn't give a law that it's impossible for us to keep. One of the reasons he left heaven and came here was into the flesh was to demonstrate that by trusting in God, being filled with God's Spirit, it is possible to walk in his ways. It'd be a horrible God that would tell us to walk in his ways if it was impossible to walk in his ways. His ways are good. His laws are good. His laws are just. They're all for our benefit. Yes, without him, it's impossible to walk in his ways. Because the carnal heart, and that's what they say, we will obey the dictates of his evil heart. And we're all born with an evil heart. We're all marred clay to begin with. We all have defects that we start with. And the worst defect that we have is a heart that hates God that resists God, that constantly resists God, that lives to hate God. We're born with that. And that's why we need to be born again. And so yes, in our own strength, not only is it possible for us to God, keep God's word and laws, we would, if, if we tried, we'd hate doing it all along the way. And there's a big portion of humanity that attempts that follow God in their own strength, and they're miserable doing it the whole time, and then make everybody else miserable at the same time. But if we surrender our lives to God and turn to him and go through that process we talked about of accepting his death and our death in him and accept his spirit to come and then change us and renew us and give us a whole new heart and a whole new mind, and for him to write his laws in our hearts and in our minds as the Bible promises, then his spirit empowers us and it walks out the law through us. Not only in obedience, but in cheerful obedience. In willing obedience. As David wrote, I love to obey your law. Love to walk in your law. My joy all day long becomes a joy when it's God doing it through us. So he doesn't just come and pay the price. He also comes and lives inside us. So he gives us a burden 
that is impossible in our human nature to bear. And then when we fail and drop it and break it, he then comes and he fixes it and picks it up and forgives us and then carries it with us. His yoke is easy. Yoke has two parts to it. And he carries it with us. And we walk with him. And so the same stinking thinking that they had then, which kept them in rebellion and destruction, is still prevalent today. It's hopeless to walk in your ways. So we're going to walk according to our own plans. We're going to continue doing what we've been doing. And everyone will obey the dictates of his evil heart. We're human, we're born this way, God knows that, and this is my desires, this is my inclination, and this is how I was created, and so I'm just going to continue doing what I've been doing. And you'll continue to get the results that we've been getting as humanity since the beginning of time. Or we can accept God's plan, God's way, and surrender all to him, and walk in his light, and walk in his power, as we've seen through history in those who've walked in his ways. Such as in Jeremiah's life, and Daniel's life, and Enoch's life, and so many other, David's life, and Moses, so many. We have shining examples, and today as well. Verse 13, thus says the Lord, ask now among the Gentiles, who has heard such things? The virgin of Israel has done a very horrible thing. Now he calls them Israel again. He says, even ask among the Gentiles. Even among the Gentiles, even among the heathen, even those who don't know God, who would think of doing such a thing? I would have a God who created them, who has these wonderful plans for them, has pronounced blessings upon them. Who would turn from that? Who would give that up? To follow our own natural desires? Feels good, just do it. crazy. It's a horrible thing. Who would do such a thing? Verse 15, my people have forgotten me. They burned incense to worthless idols. They caused themselves to stumble in their ways from the ancient past to walk on trails and not on a highway, to make their land desolate and a perpetual hissing. All who pass by it will be astonished and shake his head. They said, come, and let us devise plans against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the Kohanim, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us attack him with the tongue, and let us not give heed to any of his words. So they didn't care for what he said. Give them a wonderful offer. Even though you're walking in evil, God can change the evil he's pronounced against you. Even though he gave you wonderful promises since we're in rebellion, destruction's going to come upon us. But God will relent, he will turn to us if we just let go and surrender to him and turn to him and walk in his ways. No, we want to walk in our own ways. Well, then destruction's going to come upon you. Why would you do such a thing? Even in heathen wouldn't do that. Let's get him. Let's shut them up once and for all. And that's the carnal heart playing out. It doesn't say, well, let's just be tolerant and everyone's got their opinion and everyone can 
you know, believe what he wants. Jeremiah wants to believe what he wants. He wants to say, what he, nope, we've got to silence him. Everyone else can say whatever they want, but not Jeremiah. Not one who's speaking truth. Not one who's speaking for God. Not one who's telling us that we're wrong. Not one who's telling us to turn to God. Not one who's saying there is a right way and a right path. Then we have to shut that one up. Nothing new under the sun. Still today, our carnal heart and our itching ears love to hear smooth words. Everything's going to be all right. You're okay. I'm okay. Everyone's going to be okay. All roads lead to heaven. All dogs go to heaven. It's going to be great. Just continue in your ways. Just say a couple words one time in your life or every so often. And just continue doing what you've been doing. And you're okay. Someone tries to correct them of that. And the carnal heart hates it. Conviction comes, we resist conviction, and they want to silence the voice of warning. And this will just continue more and more so as time goes on. Barbara read today, and it was news, where did you read that news about uh, in Canada? What newspaper was that? Okay, well then I won't quote it from there. Okay. All right, well, I need better. Okay, so verse 19. Give heed to me, O Lord. Now, Jeremiah praying. Give heed to me, O Lord, and listen to the voice of those who contend with me. Shall evil be repaid for good? For they have dug a pit for my life. Remember that I stood before you to speak good for them, to turn, every away, turn away your wrath from them. God, I've just been speaking for you. God, I've just been trying to do help them. I haven't done them any evil. I'm just giving them the message you gave me. I'm just warning them. I'm just telling them the same thing that you've told down through the ages from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, down through the ages, Elijah, Elijah. The same message. I'm giving them the same message. Just giving them your warning. And they hate me for it. Trying to do what's right. Trying to follow you. Trying to help them. Do you ever have people turn on you who you tried to help? That's how Jeremiah felt. And so he prays to the Lord. His prayer gets very interesting at this point. Jeremiah chapter 18. Give their children to famine and pour out their blood by the sword. Let their wives be widows, bereaved of children. Let their men be slain by the sword in battle. Let a cry be heard from them when you bring a troop suddenly upon them, for they have dug a pit to take me and hidden snares for my feet. It's a pretty interesting prayer. He's not done. Yet, Lord, you know all their counsel which is against me to slay me. Provide no atonement for their iniquity, nor blot out their sin from your sight, but let them be overthrown before you. Deal thus with them in the time of your anger. I don't know if he was just having a bad day. Obviously, he was having a bad <laughs> Things were going bad. But... but this is in the Bible. And so if anyone's ever harassing you and resisting the love that you've been offering to them, 
I guess you can quote this to God. It's from the Bible. <laughs> I don't know, you could try it. <laughs> it might not hurt. I don't know. <laughs> you could say, God, I, I don't know. But let me read you something here. <laughs> See what he thinks about it. But at the same time, you can read some other passages from the Bible to the Lord as well. Maybe about forgiving 70 times 7 times and loving your enemy as yourself and asking blessings, not cursings. But nonetheless, God's going to do what he's going to do based on the choices they make. And Jeremiah knows that. He's just said it. And God has revealed to Jeremiah that they're not going to turn. And so Jeremiah is really just pronouncing the end result of what's going to happen. And we see, I mean, we're only in chapter 18 here. We see that for another close to 40 more chapters, Jeremiah continues to minister to these people with love and sacrifice and entreaties and yearnings and offering and promises, and hope. He doesn't give up. And in the end, this will be the end result. It was the end result, and it will be the end result to all who refuse God's protection. And all these disasters really come from the devil. <clears throat> As God steps back, is forced back, is pushed back by us, just give Satan the ability to do whatever he wants with us. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, You, Lord, are our Father, and we are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. May that be our prayer. May we allow God to mold us and fashion us and make us into his image, recreate us back into his image that he originally created Adam and Eve in. I don't believe that you and I were created in God's image, but Adam and Eve were. We were created in Satan's image. That's why we need to be born anew, born again, so that we are recreated into his image. And until we harden our clay also, right? The potter can mold, he can spin that wheel, he can take that clay, he can mold it in whatever fashion he wants. It's not coming out how he's originally wanted, no problem. He just squishes it up, starts over again, blends it again. He can continue to do that over and over and over and over again. And God can continue to work in our lives over and over and over again, changing our hearts and molding us and making us. Even if we fail, even if we fall, even if we turn away, if we turn back and surrender, he can do it again until the clay hardens. And once the clay hardens, there's nothing the potter can do for it. He can't put it back on the wheel and he can't change it at that point. We get to choose what type of heart we want. We get to choose whether to keep it soft and let God mold it and make it. And we get to choose whether to resist and say no and not listen anymore. 
And when we get to that point, we're technically committing the unpardonable sin. Because the sin that's not confessed, the sin that is refused to be let go of, is impossible for God to pardon. Because he won't break our free will. And so we can become a beautiful pot in his hand or we can become something ugly (laughs) if we choose. The choice is ours on the outcome. The power comes from God. The power to change comes from God. The power to walk in his way comes from God. The forgiveness because of God's sacrifice in our behalf. But the choice is ours. And so as we pray tonight, Maybe at one point in time you had surrendered your life to God. Fully committed to Him and walking in His ways. And maybe you're continuing to walk in His ways. But now no longer by His Spirit and by His power. Maybe now no longer in joy and in in love and devotion. Now maybe just out of habit. Maybe now just out of routine. And now you're not so happy in doing it. The joy is not there. The love is not there. It's actually become a burden and a hassle. The love for others is not there. Condemnation of others has filled your heart. And the promises that God pronounced upon you are turning into misery. God invites you to come back to the potter's wheel, to re-surrender, and let God remake you, remold you, soften it all over again, and give you the joy of the Lord once again, and empower you in his walk with him. If you've been walking in rebellion against God, maybe open sin, maybe known sin, rebelliously held on to sin, and you know the word of God and the destruction that's pronounced, the wages of sin is death, eternal death. God's promise is there for us as well if we hear his voice and turn from that. and turn to him, he will nullify the destruction that he pronounced and he will work again with us and give us everlasting life. And so if you're in that situation, in a moment when we pray, I invite you to surrender that sin to the Lord. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his death in your behalf. Accept that death in yourself that desired that rebellion and held on to that rebellion. And accept his power and his love and his joy and his grace, and his goodness, and his forgiveness, his mercy, and his truth. Maybe you've been warning someone out of love and compassion towards them, and they've been resisting you and even now turned on you, have gotten nasty towards you. May God give us the love and mercy and pray and intercede for them. Continue to work for them, for their salvation. With a compassion and a sadness and a broken heart. 
for them. May God give us courage and strength to continue on and to walk in the light, to continue to love and share in a loving way. If any of those areas apply to you, as we pray, or maybe something else that God's been speaking to your heart about, let us allow him to mold us and make us. And he's not done with each of us, so let us continue to allow him to fashion us and continue to seal us and decorate us and do what he wants. And again, a prayer here was, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We are thankful that you are almighty. We are thankful that you love us with an everlasting love. And thank you that you're willing to mold and make us, each of us individually and each in our own fashion, each pot different than all the others. Every snowflake different, every um, fingerprint different. Amazing. You create each of us different and unique in your service. And so, Lord, mold us, make us, change us. We accept your love and surrender all to you. Thank you for coming into our lives. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for giving us your spirit. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.